Alright guys, this week we're picking up with part two of five crucial lessons to come out on top even when you've lost everything. I'm super pumped to share these last two principles with you, which I alluded to last week. These are is a profound way that is going to shift your whole reality and shift your experience. So let's jump into this episode and don't forget to share it with a friend. All right, come on with me. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. All right, guys. So last episode, we talked about that in unstable times, in uncertain times, we always reach out to grab something that we feel is going to stabilize us and give us some sense of orientation. So I shared with you, if you pictured a stick man, we started at the feet and I shared with you the first three of five crucial life lessons that I learned that helped me come out on top even when we went through Hurricane Harvey and lost everything that we owned, like like everything. And so today's episode is part two. It's the last two principles. Um, I wanted to make sure and give time and room to each of these principles to really dig into them. But if you picture a little stick figure guy, we started at the feet. The first one was walking. Community. Walk with other believers when you go through a tough time or you know someone going through a tough time. Don't underestimate the power of your presence in people's life. The second one was the hands. Don't be afraid to let people help you. When people experience or, or witness your traumatizing experience, maybe you've lost a home in a natural disaster, maybe you've gone through divorce, maybe um, you know, like you've lost a child, any kind of major life-altering experience, losing a job, um, suddenly, you know, just anything, uh, people see you going through that hardship and their empathy causes them to want to help alleviate your discomfort. So they can sometimes experience what we call secondhand trauma where they carry stress based on what they're witnessing of your firsthand experience and they want to help. So when you let people help you, not only is it a practically a blessing to you, B it's a blessing to them because those who refresh others are themselves refreshed. So you're allowing them to receive a blessing and help alleviate some of the subconscious stress that compassion can bring um, when they see you suffering. And that's good. God made us this way. It's not a bad thing. When people hurt for us, that's part of being human. That's part of us feeling and loving and and it's powerful. It's not bad. So let people help you when they want to help you. Some of that you can make practical suggestions to them. Be specific. Um, Make three lists, low dollar, mid dollar, high dollar of things that you may need. And when people ask, how can I help? Make a suggestion. Um, Give three suggestions, one from each category so that they can pick something that fits in their budget. Um, Or you can just mention gift cards are helpful or whatever. Um, Just be specific about how people can help, help you because they don't know what your needs are, but they really, really want to help you and bless you. So be specific. Don't be afraid to do that. Okay, so that was the second thing. Don't be afraid to receive help. The third thing is the heart. And this principle will help protect your heart. When you go through a situation that's traumatizing, part of what we can want to do is is wrestle with getting into a victim mentality, depending on what it is, 
or um, just experience the deep weighty emotions of trauma. And one way you can shield your heart and protect your heart is by continuing to be a place of resource, continue to be a blessing even when you're going through something difficult. And here's why. Because, again, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed by getting our eyes not off like you have to ignore your struggle or, I mean, you need to work through your situation, of course, by all means. Um, But when we can remind ourselves, like, you know what, I don't ever want to be 100% a place of need. I want to always have something to bring to the table, something I can offer to somebody. I want to enrich my environment. I think we all want to, you know? And so continuing to have that mentality of God, how can I bless people? How can I bless someone today? Or if I'm going through a hurricane, how can I bless another family who's going through the same hurricane? You know, how can I be a place of resource even in this time, even if I've just lost my job, even if, you know, I have a gazillion children and it's hard to do anything extra. There's always some way a seed can be anything. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't even have to be tangible. It could be um, a word of encouragement and praying for someone. It could be watching someone's kids so they can go get a coffee and have some time to themselves, like a single mom, you know, or whatever. It can be anything. So look for creative ways to continue to be a resource right in the middle of the situation you are because it protects your heart from being a survivor like in the in the negative sense where you feel like you're you're uh you're the low dog on the totem pole you're just the underdog you know you're the survivor and you're just getting through it and you're just you know a victim it takes you out of that kind of thinking and puts you into prosperity thinking in the healthiest way where your soul can prosper and your heart can prosper because you realize I always have something to offer. That protects your heart more than you realize and it protects you from the feelings of powerlessness that trauma can sometimes bring. So that in itself is a huge, huge, huge asset to the health of your heart. Okay, so those are the first three things. I just recapped them real quick. The fourth thing I wanted to dive into, this is really practical, okay? Um, when emotions are high, okay, you're going through something hard, maybe you're going through a natural disaster, maybe you're having a family emergency, a health emergency, whatever. When emotions are high, let your words be few. And this can be hard because when emotions are high, especially if you're an external processor, you're going to want to process all of those emotions, right? So this doesn't mean you can't talk. What I'm saying and I'm recommending is be choosy with what you say to whom and when. Because when emotions are high, what happens is the brain, when it's stressed out, it suppresses the part of your brain called the amygdala, which allows you to reason and think through um, cause and effect or, or action and consequence it suppresses that part of your brain. And so if we don't watch ourselves, if our words are many, at the same time when our brain's ability to think through our choices is suppressed, then it is gonna be very easy to say, to fill the situation with something that's not gonna help, which is a bunch of words that may not be helpful, may be hurtful. Um, usually when a stressful situation has arrived, if you're not the only person affected by it, other people are as well. 
emotions are high, so are sensitivities. People are even more sensitive (laughs) to the things that we say. In fact, there's a proverb, I believe, that says, I didn't look this one up, but there's a proverb that says that um, when words are many, sin is not absent. That when we're just talking, 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 at some point we're going to say the wrong thing. And that words can destroy everything. Words can destroy. It was amazing to me how I was, um, what was it I was watching? I don't even remember. I feel it maybe it was a movie or something, but I was witnessing the power of words in a situation. How, oh, you know what? I was listening to a book about, it's called Moms and Sons. It's about teaching moms to respect their sons and how to do that with their language. And I, and he gave this example of, you know, a mom and a son, and maybe the son makes a mistake. And the mom could easily be like, man, I can't believe you made this mistake and blah, blah, blah. And just kind of chiding her son and griping him down and accusing his character or then the second illustration was how she can correct him but respectfully and how she could and it was like honey I'm so proud of your effort I know you tried hard and and while that maybe didn't work out like we planned or would have wanted man I'm proud of the courage that you put into that you really made my heart proud you know and like I thought about those two different situations and the outcomes they would have. The first one would leave that child so wounded and so devastated and it could really shape the way he views himself in a destructive, life-altering way. Or, you know, if that was a habit. Or, speaking respectfully, would build and strengthen and encourage and bring out the best in this child. And I realized how the only difference in those two situations would have been the words used and how words really create realities. So come back to whatever your situation is. If stress is high, you need to realize that words are going to be want to be quick on the tongue because we go into fight or flight and a lot of times our words is how we do that. But words can destroy everything or they can save everything. And your amygdala when stressed out is suppressed. Your amygdala where you where you make your choices more carefully is suppressed. And so what we want to do is take the time in stressed out situations. Maybe you're going through a natural disaster. You've lost your job, lost a child, whatever. Um, When you're going through your situation, you want to take the time to internally process. Make it a priority. If you're not already a journaler, take the time to journal. That way you can get all those words out in a safe place where it's not going to alter anyone's reality, where it's not going to alter your reality or your relationships or opportunities or anyone else's reality. It's safe to get all those words out on paper. And then what you can do is evaluate all your thoughts, evaluate. It'll calm you down. It'll bring down the stress because you're processing. And then you can go back into that healthier state of mind where you can choose what you want to say to whom and when because it's not just your sensitivities that'll be higher it'll also be everybody else's in whatever your situation is and so I learned this um in in that Hurricane Harvey I I was processing with a friend and she was processing with me and 
um, we were, we thought we were being really careful, you know, but somehow words got to people they didn't need to get to. And, and it kind of became a mess for both of us. It was very frustrating for both of us because neither of us intended it to go that way. And so we kind of learned the hard way that like sensitivities are high in times of stress. And so we had to be extra careful when, when you're really upset and this goes for like, I mean, minor situations to major, if you're upset, it is a great time to just zip the lip. Because when we're upset, we tend to not say good things, right? We tend to say things we end up regretting later. Proverbs 29.20 says, There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And again, it's not that you're not thinking, but it's that if you can't think things through properly because of stress, then yeah, there's more hope for a fool than for that person who speaks without thinking. Now, Does this mean you can't process or express your feelings with someone? No, definitely not. Like it's important to be able to talk to people or talk to trusted people. Um, But I would recommend A, keep your words few until you have had time to privately process. That'd be your second step. Privately process. Get all your thoughts, messy thoughts, mean thoughts, all the hateful thoughts, all the sad thoughts, all the ugly thoughts, all the thoughts. Get them all out on paper figure out what is true, figure out where you want to land emotionally. Like what thoughts do I want to hold on to? Which ones do I want to discard? Which ones are going to serve me well? And which ones are not going to serve me well? And discard what you need to discard. And then once you've come to a place that you feel settled, then process with a friend and then bounce your thoughts off of that friend, you know? And then, and this is just, this is practical, guys, this is so practical, but trust me, like, as an external processor, I have made all the mistakes. <laughs> I've made them, and I'm sure many of you are nodding your heads in agreement. We've made them, you know, so when things are tough, let your words be few and spend more time processing on paper before you process out loud, and it is gonna, it'll, it'll do wonders. It'll just save things. Um, let's see here. That one was a very simple one. Um, Proverbs 29.11. Sorry, forgive me for that pause there. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger or stress, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Quietly holding it back is healthy if you're going to hold it back so that you can process in a safe place. Holding it back and suppressing and swallowing your emotions and never dealing with them, that is not healthy and that is going to hurt you in the long run and it will, your emotions will end up just leaking on people and we don't want that, right? We don't want to do that to people. So make sure you're processing in private. Also, if you're the person that someone else is processing a difficult situation with, it's really important to be private and confidential with their thoughts. Just If someone's talking to you about a difficult situation, train yourself that you will not repeat the things that you have just heard because they're looking again for a safe place. They're looking for a place where they can share those thoughts, be messy, not be judged, and and also not be repeated because you know when we're processing our ugly thoughts, those that's usually not where we land, right? That's usually just kind of part of the journey of getting where we land. So be really confidential and private with someone else's thoughts because that's not their final answer most like most likely 
Okay, you guys are going to have to forgive me. <laughs> it's like 1130 at night. I'm trying to make sure that I give you guys the richness of this episode. Um, let everything Ephesians 429 to wrap that little segment up says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is kind of like my standard that I hold myself to. And I, you know, I have fallen short of this so many times, but this is my standard. Foul and abusive language is not necessarily like where I fall, but letting everything that I say be good and helpful and an encouragement to those who hear them. When we speak words, the goal is not just to hear my voice. The goal is that where my words land in people's ears, that it will be good and helpful to them, that it will be encouraging to them. And if what I say can't isn't good, isn't helpful, isn't encouraging, then I don't need to say it. I need to go process it. <laughs> and so that's what I do with this one. When life is hard, we tend to want to talk it all out, and that's good. But when emotions are high, let your words be few. So on our stick figure, remembering all the five principles, this would be the mouth. Okay, let your words be few. When emotions are high, let your words be few. Process privately and be confidential with other people's words. Okay, so that one was quick, short, simple, but really powerful. All right, so this fifth principle, this is really the heart of this message. So this principle was foundational to my experience when we lost everything. And this, I believe, really, really shaped our whole experience. In Hurricane Harvey, there was a, we had eight feet of water in our home. We had just moved into our home six months before we had just built it. And so it was brand new. And Hurricane Harvey came and went. There was so much flooding, so much rain. And the levees were released and our house was underwater within a matter of hours. And when I came to discover this information, um, I realized, God, my kids are going through something I never had to go through as a kid. They are experiencing what it feels like to lose everything. And I realized that they were going to be watching for my reaction so that they had a filter and a grid of how to respond to something like that. So I asked the Lord, I was like, God, I know that what words I use and attitudes I carry can either make this a more traumatizing experience for them or a less traumatizing experience for them. How can I protect their hearts as much as possible from the trauma of losing everything? So as I prayed that, the Lord reminded me of Bill Johnson's famous words where he says I keep myself encouraged by looking for what God is doing because God is always working and the Lord kept reminding me of that phrase and reminding me of that phrase and so I said look for what God is doing look for what God is doing okay so it became my mantra it became my mantra. Now, I, I'm educated enough to know that it's really important that my kids had the, the space to process their natural feelings. I didn't want 
to be so focused on what God was doing that I, that I put them in a position where they couldn't process their thoughts. So every night, once I did finally share, and I shared it in pieces. I was like, okay, guys, our, our house has had some water. And then I let them sleep on it. You know, we talked it all out. How do you guys feel? You know, does this scare you? Does this worry you? Are you okay? You know, I let them talk out their feelings. And then the next, you know, two days later was like, okay, guys, we found out that our house had a lot of water. And some of our things didn't make it, but it's going to be okay, you know. And so I kept trying to like kind of give them a little bit of gradual. And then I waited and then I finally showed them the pictures and video of our home. And and we talked every night about their feelings, give them time, you know, to cry over any toys they thought that they might have lost or or process questions that they had like, where was God? Why didn't God protect our house? You know, stuff like this. So as we did this, um, I just kept thinking through like, okay, how can I focus their energies? How can I focus their eyes on what God is doing? And so um, in Lamentations 3.25, I love this. It says, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Look at that. The Lord is good to those who search for him. To me, that was like, I saw God experience, or I mean, I saw God demonstrate his goodness to him, to us because I was searching for what he was doing in our lives. I was searching for him. I was like, God, I want to see in every day, every moment, what you're doing. So what I started doing is I just started pointing the boy's eyes to all of that. And then let's see, in Psalms 40, verse 16, I'll give you guys some examples. I'm going to start digging into some of these testimonies. But Psalms 40, verse 16 says, But may all who search for you, who's looking for to see where God is moving, right? For all who search for you, be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is good. The Lord is great. Now listen, before I share these stories, let me tell you. I focused on this principle and these two scriptures I love. May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness. I asked the boys at the end of the year, we were reflecting on 2017. And I said, boys, what was your favorite part of this year? This year had a lot in it. What was your favorite part of the year? And without exception, they all said, Hurricane Harvey. And I was like, what? I said, boys, you guys lost everything in Hurricane Harvey. Why was that your favorite part of the year? And they said, oh, because even though we lost our toys, we got new toys. We got new bikes. We got new beds. We got new clothes. And God did so awesome and took care of us. And my heart settled and my heart had peace. Because I realized for my boys to have been able to celebrate potentially the most devastating moment of their lives, I realized that truly God had shielded their hearts from the trauma of losing everything. So what I did is I tried, I tried to be creative when I found that they were getting kind of hostile with each other or stressed out. I mean, kids demonstrate stress in a number of different ways and usually fighting is one. And so I would, or, or they would play pretend and they would, with their Legos, they would, um, 
be like, ah, someone so-and-so is drowning and dying. You know, they'd kind of extract little things they had imagined about the hurricane, you know. And so I would sit down and talk with them and whatever. But, but every day I would pick up the boys or every day when I would get a testimony of something God had done on our behalf, I made sure to tell the boys about it. So it kind of became this thing where every day when I'd pick them up from school, we would talk about what God had done for us that day. And so, I mean, even starting way back at the beginning, before we even knew that our house had flooded, I knew it had a little bit of water, but we had no idea because our area got so underwater that we couldn't even get to it for like a solid week. And so the Lord gave me a dream before we knew how bad things were. The Lord gave me a dream and in the dream, I walked in the front door of our house and I looked at the wall behind the television and I saw all these different water lines that grew increasingly higher up the wall to about halfway up to maybe about the top of our television. So about eight feet, about eight feet up. And that was the end of the dream. I was totally at peace, no tears, no drama. It was all white in the dream. And so when I woke up, I told my husband, hey babe, I feel like possibly God gave me a dream that we had really deep water in the house and we may have lost everything. So I think you just need to be mentally prepared. We could have lost everything, um, but we're going to be okay. And sure enough, that's exactly how high the water was in our home. It was eight feet high. And when my husband videotaped walking through the house, you could see water lines on the wall like that. And so I just, from that moment forward, I love seeing how God took special moments to prepare and be tender with our hearts. I could see his tenderness all throughout the process. I shared about, you know, how when my friends left in the last episode, I shared with how when my friends had to leave town and I started to feel panic set in because I was all by myself now. And I was, I was processing with that, with the Lord. And then as I was processing with the Lord, another friend popped up with her location and her hotel was literally around the corner from my hotel. And she stayed there the whole trip, not because of me, just our circumstances worked out that we were both there and we got to share that next week together. And so the Lord provided companionship for me during that time. And I shared that with the boys and that was a blessing for them because her kids were my kids' friends as well. Um, I remember when I watched the video, the way we found out about the condition of our home was the Waco Navy, bless their hearts, was boating through my neighborhood about at roof level and they were shouting trying to make sure they weren't missing any survivors. So they would shout, they turn off the engine of the boat and they'd listen. And while I was watching this video, or while I was yeah, I was watching this video, I had had another tab open on my browser that had music playing. And the same time this video started, it was a Jen Johnson video about you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And like I wish I could play it for you guys right now but it would mess up my recording but it was just you can go look it up it's Jen Johnson I think it's called you're gonna be all right I don't know if that's the name of the song but that's a recurring line in the song and it's such a soothing song and I just even the fact that the Lord orchestrated it that that song was playing as I'm witnessing my house totally submerged under a river of water it was just yet another little moment of his tenderness demonstrated 
And then about the time that we were like, we don't know what we're going to do. Oh my gosh. You know, I, my husband was kind of freaking out and I told my husband, I said, Hey babe, before we finish this conversation, I refuse to get into panic and stress. I can't, I, I literally can't go there. So I need to go get a word from the Lord and, and I'll let you know what he says to me. And so I hung up and I went and had time with the Lord. I said, okay, God, I need an anchor. I need an anchor for this time. I need something to anchor myself with and I need a word. And at that time, my phone, right as I prayed that, my phone lit up and it was a friend that I literally did not know hardly at all. She had been at a women's conference I spoke at and messaged me on Facebook. And she said, hey, Jenilee, you've been on my heart and this is a scripture that God spoke to my heart for you. And y'all, it was like exactly what I needed. And it became kind of like my, my pillar verse for that time. And so even that, like the Lord just like responded instantly. And then when I talked to my husband the next day, he said, Hey, I was just contacted by the woman who owns these airplanes that have been flying in all these relief supplies. And he was like, he was like, for some perspective, she just got back from DC meeting with Ivanka Trump. Like she's up there with these people. And he said, she wants to help our family. And she asked that you would write up a list of everything that we need because she wants to have her neighbors help and this and that. And so I called this woman and she was so special, so kind, just has such a heart to help people in disaster situations. And she and her neighborhood took it on as a personal challenge and a personal um, effort to help our family. And they sent us all kinds of stuff that we needed, a new refrigerator. Um, I mean, they were used items, but they were in good condition. A refrigerator, a washer and dryer. In fact, the washer and dryer, get this, like it was just crazy, all these things. So the washer and dryer, um, we didn't know what was coming. They said, hey, we're gonna send you guys some stuff. It's gonna be coming on the truck from Austin and it'll be coming around such and such. Well, we finally were in the place where we were going to be staying while our house was rebuilt. And I needed a washer, like major, like I have four boys. We need a washer and dryer. So I was literally leaving the house. It had been a number of days. I was leaving the house to go to Lowe's to go pick up this Samsung washer and dryer that I found online. And as I was going out to get in my car, this huge semi truck pulls up outside my, outside the house we're staying at. And they get out and they said, hey, I have a delivery for you from Austin. And I said, oh yeah, thank you. Go ahead and unload everything in the garage. So when they unload, they unload the exact same washer and dryer that I was about to head to Lowe's to purchase. And you guys, that's the same washer and dryer we're still using. And so like just things like that, that I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And then on top of that, the house that we were staying at, I was like, we were kind of panicking. Like our house is underwater. We just built it. Now we're going to need to rebuild it. We didn't have home insurance or we didn't have a uh, flood insurance. And so we hadn't gotten any money from FEMA. In fact, the money from FEMA was held up for months because they couldn't, they sent out an adjuster and they couldn't find our home because our address was so new. Google didn't know where we lived yet. And so they couldn't find us. So they gave up on our case. And so I had to like call and, and try to get a hold of them. So the money from FEMA was held up for months and months as well. So we were like, we have no money to work with. How the heck are we going to rebuild our home? Right. And so, um, 
So we were stressing out about having a house note already, having to figure out how to rebuild, and then having to pay rent on top of it. So we were praying. We were like, God, you're going to have to take care of us. So a family at the church felt prompted by the Lord to offer us their rent house. Now, I had been praying. I said, God, when we find a place to stay in, here's what I'm asking. I said, please let it be a space where I have a kitchen accessible. Because, you know, we considered living with a number of people in the meantime. Um, And so I said, please let it have a kitchen so I can take care of the boys and not feel like I'm in someone's space. Please let it be within 15 minutes of the school. And please let it be... I think maybe maybe those were the only two things big enough for us. I don't really know. I think I wanted us to be able to stay alone and not not have to live with somebody. That sounds picky, but I was like, Lord, if you can do this, I know you can. If you can work this out, that would be the that would be a blessing. So this family at the church felt prompted to let us use a rent house that they had that nobody was in. Y'all, this rent house was bigger than our house that had flooded by like eight hundred square feet or something. It was huge, and then. Not only do we get to stay there by ourselves and just enjoy that space and have this safe place while we rebuilt, but they also felt the Lord prompted them to pay our utilities and the electric bill the whole time we were there. So, and they didn't charge us rent. So we didn't have to pay rent. They wouldn't even let us pay any of the electric bill and utilities. And I was like, you've got to be joking me. And so like God went so above and beyond in providing our housing for us. So then when it came to the kids schooling, there was one day my husband texted me. He said, Hey, someone decided to pay for the kids, um, for lunches for like the next month and a half or something so that you don't have to worry about coming up with lunches for them. I was like, you're joking me. So when I picked the kids up, I told them that we all celebrated. It was wonderful. And then another day he calls me and says, Hey, somebody, I don't know who it is, went to the school and paid off the kids tuition for the rest of the school year. I was like, God, you are blowing my freaking mind right now. You guys, I'm not lying. All these things happened day after day. There was miracles. I have never ever lived in a season where I had this many miracles happen back to back in my life ever, ever. And and we live a lifestyle of miracles because we invite God into everything and we believe him for things, you know, so we live a lifestyle of miracles. I've never had it so concentrated in such a short period of time. And so, um, but there was a point when this principle that I'm sharing with you about looking for what God is doing, where I kind of lost sight of it. And I was starting to get kind of overwhelmed by our need at some point. A number of days had passed and you know, I, I needed a vacuum and I needed this and I needed that. And it was starting to kind of pile up on top of me. And, um, and I started in my prayer kind of panicking with the Lord, like, God, I'm going to need this and I'm going to need this and I'm going to need that. And oh my gosh. And I started panicking. And then it kind of, it kind of struck me that I hadn't really stopped to tell him, thank you for what he had done in a little bit. And so I stopped myself and I said, you know what, Lord, you've done so much for us. Let me just thank you real quick. And so I just stopped and started listing off everything I could think of that he had done, just like this list I just shared with you guys. And, and then when, when I got to the end of that, I said, you know what, Lord, you've done so much for us. I know you're going to take care of us. The Bible says that he knows our need even before we ask it. Right. And so I said, I know you're going to take care of us. I said, Lord, our church is full of families who have who have suffered loss. I think we had like 30 families in our church that had lost their homes. I said, Lord, would you release finances 
to all of these families to rebuild. Release finances so that we can all rebuild, but release money to them, Lord, because they need provision and they need to rebuild. I am not lying. The next day, we found out that Good Morning America or some morning show, I think it was Good Morning America, um, contacted our church specifically and said, hey, we heard about the work that your church is doing in the area by making sure everyone is, is being taken care of and we were providing a lot of supplies for people in the area. And we want to bless the families in your church. We want to give everyone who's lost their home and suffered damage $2,000 to spend at Lowe's. And we're going to set up a pop-up Lowe's store in Houston. And the families that can come out, they can grab anything they can grab they can take home. And so it was like, I was like, you've got to be joking. Like miracle of miracles. Like all the families in our church got blessed. And I was like, Lord... How is it the day after that I decide to take some time to just be full of gratitude and thank you for what you've done, I ask very simply that you'd release money to the family in our families in our church, that you'd give them favor. And then the very next day, this national level news show partners with Lowe's to give us all $2,000. And you guys, they did. They gave us all gift cards for $2,000. I was like, oh freaking gosh. So it just blew my mind. And then, you know, it was just, I could go on. I'll just probably write a book about it one day, but I mean like everything, everything from college students mucking our house so that I didn't have to. And so the kids didn't have to see our junk destroyed, our stuff destroyed. You know, I didn't have to pick through everything. There's probably things I lost that I don't even remember that I lost, you know, cause I never had to look at it. And then, so my kids never had to see that firsthand and experience that firsthand. They did, we did bring them to ha- to the house after it was mucked out and they saw all their stuff in the, in the front yard. Um, and so that was difficult, but we were able again to walk it through just a situation at a time. We let them cry. We let them talk. We let them process. And then we gently pointed their eyes back to what God was doing. And so I share those stories because I want you to see how abundantly good and tenderly kind that God is. Like I didn't even share, I didn't even share so many of the stories. I wrote it all down while we went through it. But it just blew my mind the tenderness of God to tend to even the tiniest of little things like from my friends from high school that I hadn't spoken to in years sending gift cards. <gasps> and oh, my favorite part of the story. I didn't tell you guys this. So this is my favorite part of the journey. So we had been evacuated for at least a week and I had been being very very cheap with everything on purpose because I didn't know yet what we were coming home to I didn't know what money we'd have to work with so I was trying to keep things cheap so I wasn't really taking the boys anywhere we just swam and swam and swam at the hotel so finally everyone was getting stir crazy and 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 the stress was so high I finally was like you know what I'm gonna take the boys we're just gonna go have a splurge night we're gonna go to studio movie grill where it's like you watch a movie and order dinner and uh, all together. So I took them. We had a great time. It was wonderful. It's just what we needed. Afterwards, we decided there was a Burlington next door. So I said, hey, boys, let's go to Burlington. So they're like, okay. So we walked to Burlington. And I said, now listen. 
and they go, we know, we know, we're not buying anything. And so I was like, oh, you're right. We're not buying anything. <laughs> but I was like, oh man, they knew what I was going to say. I felt bad. Um, so we go in the store and we're looking around and, um, and my oldest son comes up to me with this gorgeous leather jacket in his hands. And he goes, mom, look at this jacket. And he tries it on and oh man, it just looks so sharp on him. And I was like, oh. And he goes, can I get it? And I just looked at him and I was like, uh, how much is it? And he said, it's $25. And I was like, oh, that's not bad. And so I said, well, let me hold on to it. Let me just, let me just pray about it for a minute. And so I hold on to it and we're just still looking around the store. And I, in my heart, I was like, God, I want to be a good steward of what we have to work with. Would it be wise or foolish for me to buy this jacket? And I cry every time I tell the story, so I'm going to try not to cry. Um, and the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly. He said, gently, he said, you buy him that jacket and you take care of my babies. And you tell them that I'm going to take care of them. And so I said, okay. And so I looked at the boys and I said, boys, here's what the Lord told me. He said that he wants to take care of his babies. That's y'all. And he wants to take care of you. He's going to make sure we're fine. And so everyone pick out a piece of clothing and a toy. And you would have thought, I told the boys it was Christmas morning. They were like, yeah, they were so excited. And so they all, they all got, you know, new set of pajamas, a new jacket, a toy, you know, whatever. And so we go back to the car and I'm telling you, I get in the car and I check my phone to leave the parking lot. And there's two notifications on my phone. One person, my mom, had sent me $500 to my PayPal. And someone else from high school sent me, a, a good close family friend sent me $1,000 in my PayPal. The next day, a friend that I hadn't spoken to in like 15 years, she sent me $1,000 to my PayPal. So in like less than 24 hours, the Lord put $2,500 in my PayPal account so that I could take care of my kids. And I didn't know yet that we had lost everything. I just knew we were going to be in bad shape because we already had water in the house. And I just, time and time again, I saw the Lord show up so generously, so abundantly, so tenderly. The Lord did not want us traumatized by the experience. He wanted to bless us through the experience. And sometimes when we go through traumatizing things, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some things like that are just horrible that no matter which way you cut it, it's not a blessing. You know what I mean? Like you look at it and it's just like, ah. But you guys, God in his bigness, somehow he has a way of taking what the enemy intends for evil and using it for our good. And when we go through hardships, and, and I, I'm speaking to the choir, guys. I'm sitting here. It's 1148. Hurricane Laura should be hitting the coast where I live right now as I speak. And I'm building myself up in my most holy faith, sharing all these stories with you. If we keep our eyes focused on how God is able to turn things around for our good, and you have a mentality, a lens, a perspective, a filter, where you're looking for what God is doing because you know he uses all things for the good of those who love him. 
and are called according to his purposes. If you are convinced, in fact, use that scripture and just meditate on it again and again and again until it becomes your filter for life. If you can look at life through that lens of what is God doing in this situation? Because I know he works all things for my good. Even when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, God is big enough. God doesn't bring destruction. The enemy brings destruction. But God is so big, he's not limited to the level of destruction that the enemy might try to bring. God already has a plan for how to show up and show off and create a solution where the devil thought he was creating a problem. And God did that in our life. And I just want to encourage you guys with that principle. Look for what God is doing. Listen, you will see what you are prepared to see. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. If you're looking for the fact that you're the underdog and everyone gets one up on you, honey, that's what you're going to find, even if it's not true. If you're looking for how God has your back and his favor, his goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life, if that's how you're looking at life, then honey, that's what you're going to see. Some people call it the law of attraction. I just call it like that's just God, how, how God has wired us. He honors our faith. Even when our faith is built on the wrong thing, he still honors our faith. So if I'm looking at life through the lens of how I'm a victim, that's what I'm going to see. And that, that is what I'm going to attract to myself. And so when you're going through hardship, those five principles, again, starting with the feet, walk with other believers, walk in community with people. Secondly is the hands. Let people help you. In your hardship, let people help you because it's also releasing a blessing to them, both practically and in their soul. The third thing is your heart. You can still always be a place of, of resource and generosity no matter how difficult your situation is. Ask God to show you how you can be a blessing even in your difficult, challenging moments because this will protect your heart from getting into an underdog survivor mentality. This protects your heart from the weighty feeling of powerlessness from trauma. It'll protect you, okay? You can be a source of generosity and resource no matter what your condition looks like. Fourth is the mouth. When emotions are high, let your words be few. Use your words in a powerful way. And this fifth principle kind of ties into that, which is look for what God is doing because he's always working. And one of the greatest ways you can look for what God is doing and see it is by saying what God is doing. Share your testimonies with people. Speak out loud. When you're praying, give God thank you. Like, thank him for the things he's doing. Just like my story, how it turned the situation when I shifted into gratitude. Use your words to be thankful and to speak what God is doing on your behalf. Listen, these five principles I pulled out and extracted from my experience. And I, and I realized how much they protected me. And I think that was God's grace. You know, it was God just gave us a grace to walk through that challenge and walk in those principles. Um, but listen, first and foremost, the foundation is stay encouraged by looking for what God is doing stay in community. Let people help you. Don't forget you can always be a source and resource no matter 
the position you're in. And when emotions are high, let your words be few. Take time to process, but let your words be a place of life. Speak with gratitude. Speak life. And look for what God is doing. Okay? I hope you guys remember all of those. Um, But again, picture the little man. You know, the feet, the hands, the heart, the mouth, the eyes. That should help. But I hope this was helpful to you guys. If this was an encouraging episode... If this series was helpful to you, listen, I know a lot of my listeners are from the Southeast Texas, Louisiana area. If you are, share this with your friend who's also going through this storm. I'm going to keep you guys updated on social media um, about the condition of my home. So make sure you're following me on Instagram at Java with Jen. And if you're listening to any of my episodes, throw them up on your stories, snap a screenshot, throw it on the stories and tag Java with Jen so I can reshare it on my stories. You guys, I love you. You are such an encouragement to me. You guys don't know it, but when you give feedback and when you share your thoughts with me, I just, I love it. You are why I do this. So thank you for enriching my life. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me. And I will catch you next week for another Java Witch Inn episode. Love y'all. Okay, so my real quick life hack. Really, this is going to be pertinent to those of you guys who are in hurricane zones, okay? I have found from evacuating so many hurricanes now, when you first start seeing that this hurricane that is headed your way is potentially a major storm, Right then, call the city where you want to evacuate and book you a hotel. Just call then. Call then, do the thing, and call them and, and talk to them first. Let, let them know you're an evacuee and find out what their cancellation policy is and if they have any special rates for evacuation um, evacuees. And because I did that with this hotel, and literally within 24 hours from when I booked... All the hotels were booked, and I'm so glad I get got in on the front end because you can always call and cancel one day at a time. They had a special cancellation policy where the day of, you could cancel any point on the day of, and they had a special rate, so we actually saved $100. Um, because we were evacuees, they had a special rate for us. So when you're in a hurricane disaster area zone, which many of my listeners are, that is my life hack. Call ahead of time. Ask about the cancellation policy. Ask about evacuee um, pricing. And then just stay on top of it. And then also make sure you book out with, with enough days. Because, you know, if the hurricane goes long and you're booked just through till, say, the day the hurricane ends, you may have to relocate. But everyone, all the hotel rooms may still be booked up. So before you run out of time, extend the days of your trip if needed. I just did that with ours and I'm glad I did because if things go long, I need to know that we're still going to have a place to be. And so that's my life hack. It's simple, but jump the gun, make the hotel reservation. As soon as you think there's even a slight possibility, you may have to evacuate, make the hotel reservation and just make sure of their cancellation policy. Um, and you should be in the clear and that way you're not going to run into a situation where you can't get into a hotel. (laughs) So there you go. That's my little life hack for running from hurricanes. All right. Love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. 
Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.